Welcome to episode number 79 of the Inspirational Athletes Podcast here on the Always Lancaster Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Walk, sports reporter for LNP Newspaper and LancasterOnline.com, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. On this week's show is guest Jared Texture. He's a fellow Penn Manor alum. It was interesting just kind of having him across from me. I remember being a Penn Manor sophomore several years ago and him, I think, being a year or two ahead of me and just kind of looking up to him and be like, wow, that's Jared Texture. So being able to kind of get to sit across from him all these years later where we're both adults kind of chatting was really awesome. Jared shares his story just as far as being one of the best um, golfers in his senior class, which I believe was 2003 or 2004, coming out of Penn Manor, went on to lead a highly successful successful collegiate career at UNLV. And we uh, kind of get into the thick of things just as far as he, he had three really great years, freshman, sophomore, junior, and then kind of went through some troubles in the golf course in his senior year, just as far as not kind of being able to perform up to his expectations and trying to lead a pro career and that didn't work out. And here he is all these years later as a businessman, father of two kids, married to a beautiful wife and kind of puts things in perspective just as far as everything that he's been through the ups and downs of golf and what it's taught him how it's made him a better person. Um, and he's still competing today. Um, he's uh, back as a, on the amateur circuit, but yeah, it was a really awesome conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. One last programming note before we move forward here. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe to the Always Lancaster Inspirational Athletes podcast on Google Play and Lancaster. Go there and hit subscribe. Uh, feel free to uh, go back to listen to archives last week. We had Zach Miller. He's a Hemfield alum and now one of the best ultramarathon racers in the country. So feel free to uh, go back and listen to that. We have more awesome guests lined up. All right, with all that out of the way, on to our conversation with Jared Texter. Enjoy. Yeah, man, I, uh, I kind of wanted to start before I get into the golf stuff. People uh, may not be familiar just as far as the basketball background. <laughs> I was going back kind of doing my research, and I found it interesting how, like, you just play golf pretty much year-round and then pick up a basketball, and somehow you were fine draining three-pointers all the time. <laughs> um, I guess where does, does basketball come into play for you? I, I guess you said your mom played it in high school? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, my obviously, uh, you know, I didn't see her play, but from what I've been told from, from family, friends and stuff, she was a good player, and she uh she was first team all all county i guess for for penn manor in the mid 70s but um, no i mean growing up i always played basically the first sport was baseball then basketball and football golf was actually my last sport i picked up okay. uh started playing when i was about 10 but um and then as i got more serious with golf the kind of the stuff like baseball and football sort of fell to the side but mm -hmm. Here in Pennsylvania, there's really nothing else to do in the wintertime, so I yeah. continue to play basketball all the way through high school, and I, I love it. To this day, I, I can honestly say I still think it's my favorite sport. Like, I just love the team element and the crowd, mm. and um, I really enjoyed playing it's high It's interesting reading back, like, your sophomore year during 47 three-pointers, and that was a big deal, and now it's like 47 three-pointers. It's, it's like regular for teams to do that because it's Golden State Warriors mentality, but he's shooting. It's like you're almost in the wrong yeah. era, so to speak. Like, it was uncommon for, for to have prim perimeter shooters back in your day, I guess. Not uncommon, but, like, just as far as launching that many threes. Yeah, I mean, I can't – it's hard for me. Yeah. I haven't followed the local high school basketball, yeah. obviously, at – as I used to. So I don't know what type of brand of ball, you know, teams are trying to play now, but, um, yeah, I mean, back in my day, I, I was, a I was a pretty good shooter, you know, uh, I, I had, I had to be, cause I, I, I was not gifted from a, from a speed or, uh, 
quickness element. So. And you were playing at an awesome time too, because back then, uh, Lancaster Catholics, Greg Testa, Ryan yeah. Purvis, Dustin Salisbury was playing at McCaskey. So mm-hmm. it was like this heyday of players too. Anything before I move on to the golf, anything stand out in your mind just as far as like top games or anything from your basketball career or moments? Um, yeah, we had some good ones. I mean, I would say, uh, when I was at Penn Manor, our like 02, 03 and 04 teams, I mean, Prior to that, just we, we kind of struggled from a program standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember our team being, I'd say, better than, than average. We did make districts a couple years. We made LL League my junior year. Um, we had some good players. We just, uh, you know, but it was kind of nice to get somewhat Penn Manor back on the map and into the playoff realm. Because uh, a few years after that, actually, they got it all the way to the district finals with mm. like Gibbs and yeah. Brandon Widener and guys yeah. like that. So, but as far as I remember, uh, my senior year or no, it was my junior year because Dustin Salisbury was a was a senior. McCaskey was the one seed in districts, and we were the 16 seed. Uh, usually, you know, people that weren't from around here would think, "Oh, these Penn Manor farm kids—they have no chance, <laughs> yeah. right?" You know, and but luckily, we played them twice a year, and obviously, they were great. I mean, from an athletic standpoint, it wasn't even close. But we didn't have that intimidation factor because yeah. we saw them twice a year. So, I do remember we were actually beating them at halftime. At it was at Conestoga Valley, is where where the game was played. Mm-hmm. I think we were up by maybe four or five at half. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, we just couldn't quite hang with them in the second half. I think we probably ended up losing by maybe seven or eight points. But that was yeah. fun, though. I mean, to, to be in the game and possibly upset. There's a lot of talent on the McCaskey team, too. <laughs> I just want to mention this quickly. Uh, Jared is a sophomore in high school, drained 47 three-pointers, which at the time set the new program record for three-pointers in the season. I don't know if it's since been broken. It probably has been. Um, and, yeah, junior season comments made the LL playoffs for the first time in 12 years. Now, obviously, they've had pretty good season since then. You had mentioned um, starting golf at 10 years old. Golf is a sport it's like – at least at that age, at 10 years old, like not many kids are playing golf. What, what got you to pick up a golf club? Yeah, um, I would say uh, my, my dad always played, um, you know, was and uh, admittedly so, wasn't the best of golfers, but enjoyed it, had a good group of buddies that he went out and played with. So I, I guess I got introduced to it that way. Remember one day we went to Leisure Lanes and just I rented a club and that was really the first time that I hit balls. But where I started to get more serious, uh, just based on when I was – essentially born and then really the the tiger era uh the the tiger boom so to speak i mean when he won the u.s amateur for the third time in 96 and then the masters he won by 12 and 97 i was 11 and 12 years old at that point so i was very intrigued by him and you know a lot of the guys that are now out on tour that are kind of my age um, all were influenced i think by by tiger and his just from 97 through 2001 to 2005 just Mm. uh, that's what really I would say push me to, you know, hey, golf's actually pretty cool. Uh, it's no longer kind of that, you know, unathletic sport, so to speak. Tiger made it cool. Um, and then I just started to pursue it more and more just because I, I, I had fun doing it. I, I had some success. I, I really enjoyed the progress of trying to improve. So um, when when did you figure out at what point in, in high school, like, oh, maybe I could do this at the next level? I am pretty good at this compared to my peers. Yeah, I'd say when I was – when I was 14, um, I entered into the U.S. Junior Amateur Qualifier. So for junior golf, that's you know that's the biggest tournament mm. there is. Um, I entered it not knowing anything about it really at that time. This was the year 2000, but I figured, what the heck? I, I've never really played in a big tournament. Let's tr- try to see where I stack up and mm. um, kind of go from there. So I signed up for the qualifier. It was down in Maryland and. <laughs> 
lo and behold, there's probably 60 players. They took mm-hmm. four guys, I think, to the tournament, and I ended up winning the qualifier. Wow. Um, funny backstory to that, because at that time I also played baseball for Safe Harbor. And I was a pitcher, and we were in the uh, the new era, go, go figure, the, the yeah. new era baseball tournament. And I remember talking with my dad because the, the semifinal and championship game of our new era tournament was also the same time as the tournament I just qualified for, the U.S. Junior. And it was actually being played out in Oregon, the, the golf tournament. I remember saying, hey, like, what should I do? Like, I don't really want to miss the, the new era tournament, oh, you know. Because right. at that point in time, I was like, I love baseball. I still wasn't all that serious about golf. What position but, in baseball? Uh, I was a pitcher. All right. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, what, what ended up happening with that? Well, I so I ended up we, – we said, you know what, like, you need to go play play that golf tournament. I mean, we signed up for it. We qualified. And, and you never know where it might lead. And lo and behold, it, it, it actually changed my life because I went out there – I didn't play great. I did make the cut to the match play portion, but lost the first round of match play. Um, but I was at such a young age at that point where college coaches could fully talk to me. You know, when you're, f- I think, sophomore in high school, they can only send letters or okay. I forget the recruiting process yeah, now. Yeah. But at that point in time, I was young enough to where they could completely talk to me. So that's ultimately where I ended up meeting uh, my future college coach, Dwayne Knight from UNLV. Mm. We walked around, and, and uh, actually Ryan Moore, who's on, who's on tour now, ended up losing in the finals of this U.S. Junior Championship that wow. I was at. So, and he ended up going to UNLV. So that's where I kind of met my college coach. And when I got home from that tournament, that's kind of when I was like, golf's what I want to do. You know, it was, a, yeah. it was a big event out there. It, was, it just felt like a, 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 a cool event. So I would say qualifying for that when I was 14 is kind of where – what led me to continue to really pursue golf so that was just kind of golf and basketball at that point from then yeah, on out. yeah later on in playing baseball I kind of had some shoulder issues pitching and I so I gave that up before uh, I got to high school and same thing with football because it coincided with uh, I always played for like the the junior comet midget football team um, I, I but I didn't play in high school because uh, high school golf is in the fall and so yeah. is football so what position were you in football I was a quarterback in in, uh-huh, nice. in, in, in uh, midget football Could have used you uh, around that time by the time you got to high school <laughs> um, no nah, man that's a blast from the past you mentioned safe harbor I played yeah. uh, uh, Manor Ridge mm-hmm. Little League and man I, I, I never thought of this until just like it's just a blast from the past just as far as I remember playing for Manor Ridge and we hated Safe Harbor it was like the foe because like we were just these little scrubs on on Manor Ridge it seemed like the best players were at Safe Harbor but anyway. yeah we no we had some success <laughs> playing baseball I mean we we ended up winning two new eras that year that I actually I missed the semifinal and the final we I think we ended up beating uh Strasburg Willow Street in the final and that year we went 39 and one which Holy is cow. yeah we had a, right. we had a really good team so. um golf junior year at Penn Manor 2002-2003 school year uh Jared was the Lancaster City County Golf Association's player of the year when the District 3 golf tournament ranked 39th in the country among all junior golfers um, I guess with that being said, like when does <clears throat> I know you kind of mentioned that tournament just as far as when you met the UNLV mm-hmm. coach, but I guess is that when things really start picking up for you? Just as far as okay, now I have to figure out which college I'm going to, even though you have another year of high school left. Yeah, I'd say sophomore junior year is when it really picks up for really any okay. potential div- Division One athlete. So I I pretty much made my decision early um, uh, as far as going to UNLV. I mean, I had I had good junior golf success my sophomore and junior years of, of high school and. And I'd say equating the golf versus, like, let's say, AAU and basketball to where high, high school golf really wasn't that big a deal. What was a big deal in 
getting recruited is called the AJGA, American Junior uh. Golf Association. So that's kind of like a national, very, uh, I'd, I'd say, high competitive uh, junior golf events. Mm-hmm. And that's really where all the colleges are focusing on uh, from ranking standpoint. And, and, I, and I had some success there. Um, I mean, I, I think after my junior or senior year there, I was a first-team All-American for AJGA. And is that similar – forgive me for being ignorant, but no, is that yeah. similar to, like, AAU basketball? Like, it's exactly. a AJGA is kind of like a circuit? It, exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, and that's where, from a national perspective, that's where you're going to get your exposure. That and plus these uh, – the U.S. junior. Are you going, sport. like, up and down the eastern seaboard? Yeah. Competing it? Okay. Yeah, I was fortunate growing up. I mean, my dad, with his company and just his flexibility, was, was able to travel and, and get that exposure. But – yeah, I mean, my summers, um, once I got into sort of ninth, 10th, 11th grade, I, was, I wasn't home much. You know, I would mm-hmm. play a lot in the Carolinas or Florida or Georgia or even out in Arizona and uh, playing in these AJGA events. So. And I was going to bring this up later, but now that you're, you're at this point now as far as uh, going into your senior year of high school – and when I was going back reading things, uh, the way you talk now and the way you talk then, it's almost similar. Like you, you had a good head on your shoulders even back then to handle all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say publicity, but just saying like, hey, you're one of the best golfers in, in your senior class. Um, how are you able to kind of not get a big head about yourself? Uh, like were your parents keeping you grounded back then? Or Yeah, and I um, – I just never really, I would say, paid attention to whatever, the, the local publicity or, because I always knew that um, I had really good exposure on, on, the, on the national level playing these AJJ events, and I knew I wasn't, um, I was in the top tier of those, of those players, but I certainly wasn't the best. So yeah. I, I kind of, um, I kept myself grounded that way, knowing that, yeah, I may be, whatever, a, a, <laughs> a very well-known player here in Lancaster or even Pennsylvania, but on a national level, there is always someone better, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, I just had to keep improving. So what was it about UNLV that drew you there? Well, I, I think it dates back to the year 2000 when I first met my coach okay. there at that U.S. Junior. He just – he had a very calming sense about him. Um, he was very well respected. He's now been at UNLV, I think, don't quote me exactly, but almost 35 years. So uh, before that, he coached at New Mexico. So – he just had a very uh, professional way about him. Um, some college coaches, and I'm sure it's this way in every sport, but just sort of have, whether it's a slimy salesman type of mm. uh, attitude or, hey, well, well, they basically overpromise you everything. Coach Knight was very grounded, down to earth, um, always talked about academics as well. And I'm not here to say, obviously, UNLV is uh, the Harvard of the West Coast by any means, but he very de- he he talked uh, a lot about the importance of getting a degree and um, and at first my parents were like Vegas, you know, we're from Lancaster. This is like <laughs> I was going to ask you that next. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think, but but coach's presence and knowing him personally really, my my parents were comfortable for really from that time forward, knowing that nice. Coach Knight was going to be looking out for us and overseeing the program. and yeah. So you would kind of just mention it, growing up in farm country at Penn yeah. Manor in Millersville, you go out to, to live in Las Vegas. That initial year, freshman year, I mean, it's going to be difficult no matter what college you're going to away mm-hmm. from home. But anything like off the golf course that you kind of struggle with, whether it be in a class or, or, or scheduling? No, or? I always did well in school. Okay. I mean, I, I think I ended up graduating UNLV with like a 3-4. So throughout my time there, I mean, academics was never mm-hmm. never an issue. Um, I did hit a little bit of a rut in my freshman year. I think part of it just was a little bit of homesick, a little bit of struggling with golf. Um, yeah. Just my first real kind of uh, 
year of being away, being an adult, trying to manage my own time. So I did hit kind of like a two-month, I'd say, um, hiccup, so to speak, with my golf game. But it was good for me. I, I think I, I needed it. Quite and that, that freshman year, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I had a note here that – I guess that year, first year you got there, there was a, I guess, a story in Vegas Golfer Magazine, or was an article about Jared being UNLV's star recruit, described as being, quote, the missing piece of UNLV's national championship puzzle. I say that to ask, like, that's a lot of pressure for a freshman first year in college. I know you, uh, you know, were among the best players in your class coming mm-hmm. out, but to get there and have that label stuck on you, like, did you feel stressed to live up to that? or? Um. I'd say yes and no. I mean, I, I think like any athlete at, at, that's trying to play at a high level, I mean, they put their own amount of pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, UNLV had a good team the year before. Ryan Moore was a senior my freshman year, and he had just come off a summer of literally winning everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were kind of pegged as that top-notch team my freshman year, and uh, I just wanted to get in the lineup. And luckily I did. I basically played all of – two events uh, my freshman year as a true freshman so I was happy about that Um, you know and we didn't end up playing as well as we wanted at nationals I think Mm -hmm. we ended up finishing like fourth or fifth but Mm -hmm. uh, it was a good really good learning experience for me that first year so I think this point's interesting because I've interviewed people on this podcast 70 some episodes now but so many college athletes they're in a team sport where it's like they go from high school to college so the game's a lot faster yeah Um, even if say you're in a quote-unquote individual sport like tennis the guy you're across is probably a lot better because he's been playing you're on a golf course it's still the same thing it's not like you're competing one-on-one against somebody so I'm wondering like how is going from high school to UNLV is it any different because you're still out in a golf course basically competing against yourself yeah it's uh it's not as different I would think absolutely as football or basketball just from a speed Mm -hmm. standpoint I mean golf the hole is the same size the balls you're using is the same Um, Again, because I played in a national circuit in junior golf, everyone knew each other already. Uh, It was just a matter of, I mean, adjusting to kind of the schedule, uh, a lot of travel, a lot more working out and and physical activities than I did in high school for golf, um, and really just trying to get better. Um, Golf's a funny game as far as it doesn't matter how long you you play it, nobody is ever going to be an expert at it. So Mm. you got to continue to evolve at it and practice and work hard. And I think that's just really what my mindset was when I got to UNLV and we had the facilities to do it. I mean, we were very blessed there as far as the courses and, and, uh, that we were able to play. What degree so, did you end up getting? Uh, a communications degree, actually. Oh, communications no and, and uh, <laughs> marketing. So, yeah. You're a natural talker, that's why. <laughs> I thought I'd ask that part because, you know, the classroom is just as, a, if not more yeah. important. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over some accolades and then kind of get back into some questions for you. Freshman year, Jared, 2004-05, named the 2005 MWC Freshman of the Year, earned all academic honors, played in 10 tournaments, 31 rounds as a true freshman. Sophomore year, Honorable mention All-American, uh, selected to the All-Mountain West Conference team. And then junior year 06-07, earned Honorable mention All-American, selected to the Ping All-Pacific Region team, and selected All-Mountain West Conference team. I say all that to ask, um, at that point after your junior year, and we had kind of talked about it when we chatted on the phone a few weeks back, you were probably considered one of the best, I don't know, college golfers at that point after your uh, junior season. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I- I noticed you don't have many notes on my on my senior year. I'm getting I'm getting to that. <laughs> no, no, and that's uh, yeah, that was partly because I just didn't play very well my senior year. But yeah, I 
I was on an, I would say, an ascending track college. I hit a little bit of a lull my freshman year, but sophomore and junior year, I was definitely improving. I mean, being a sophomore and a junior, getting All-American. Um, Does yeah. do, do you get any idea of, like, maybe I could be a professional golfer at this? Do you have people in your ear telling you, hey, the way you're playing right now is on par with this person or anything like that? Yeah, really? I mean, it's uh, – and we know the historical data as, as well of who has played at UNLV or even just on mm -hmm. a nat national standpoint. And, I mean, if you're if you're an All-American, whether it's first team, second team, or even honorable mention, I mean, you're, you're on the right track, you know, okay. as far as progressing and, and eventually uh, reaching the PGA Tour, quite frankly. But – Golf's a game where it's not like the NFL draft. This I guess it's this week, right, or next week, yeah. to where you're drafted solely based on how you performed in college. Golf's not that way with the PGA Tour. They don't care what you've done in the past. Uh, they don't care what your name is, where you come from. It's a matter of shooting a score. And um, Is there anything so. in golf where, okay, for whatever football, you have to go three years, and I think it's that way in baseball before you can turn pro or yeah. something. Is that similar in golf, too, no, or you can I, turn I, pro whenever? Yeah, there's um, – I'm – I don't I, think the PGA Tour has put in any regular, you know, bylaw that states a minimum age requirement. I guess requirement. the reason I bring that up, I didn't know if at that point after your junior year, if they're really seriously considering that. Um, or I wasn't because the whole time I, uh, I really wanted to get my degree. Um, not to say that, you know, you can't go back and, and get it after the fact. But um, I guess looking back, the only thing that maybe I would do differently is um, – in order to get to the PGA Tour, you basically have to go through what's called Q School or the Qualifying School Tournament, mm. which is really a, a series of events that if you play well enough, you get full <laughs> status. So it's not school by any means, but they do call it Q School. Uh, they do allow people to enter that, play in it, but not actually turn professional. So looking back, if maybe the only thing I would have changed between my junior and senior year, maybe I would have just entered Q School as an amateur and mm. – who knows if I played mm -hmm. well and got all the way to finals or got status, then, Hey, maybe it is worth it to turn pro, but I didn't do that. I continued to play amateur golf and then went back to UNLV for my senior year. And, um, so we're now about a decade removed from your senior year yeah. at UNLV. So you're, you know, you're a businessman father too. So you're obviously more mature than where you were 10 years ago, but I'm just kind of like curious now that you have perspective on things, just looking back on your senior year, like how would you kind of describe what happened there in a nutshell, I guess? Yeah, I, I think, um, a couple of things. I, I wanted to get better. Um, I just went about it, I think, the wrong way. So, again, I, as I talked, I was on an ascending track. You know, I was doing well sophomore, junior year. And I was just at a point in time between my junior – or yeah, that junior summer going into senior year where I just really felt like I needed to get better, like anyone. Uh, the only issue is in golf, it's, it's, it can't be a mechanical thing if you're not a, a swing mechanic type of guy. And I never was growing up. I pretty much somewhat self-taught, very much of a feel player. Mm. Um, but my, my fall semester senior year, I went to uh, basically the Butch Harmon School, which he's obviously a well-known mm -hmm. swing instructor mm -hmm. in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, and I started sort of doing some tinkering. Mm -hmm. And by all means, they're great what they do. Um, I'm, <laughs> I am not at all blaming uh, their methodology of swings to my downfall my senior year. Um, I just don't think that it's for everyone. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the mentality of golf – you're either a field player or you're a mechanical player. Mm. And uh, I, I just started go basically trying to perfect my swing instead of just continuing to play golf and fine-tune some things. And uh, after a while, I think it just got me away from what sort of made me 
pretty good as a junior player and an early collegiate player is I just played golf. You know, I saw the shot, hit the shot. Uh, I reacted more. And when I started working with my swing mechanically, I tried to perfect my swing and not really worry or, or not focus enough on actually the shot at hand. Mm. So golf is a very – In your head. Mental game, yeah. So I started focusing really on the wrong things as far mm -hmm. as my golf swing goes. And before I know it, I mean, I, I was really struggling. I mean, I couldn't break 80 for a while my senior year. Mm. Um, was out of the lineup. And, and, again, going into my senior year, I was preseason, like, first-team All-American, and I was obviously the captain of our team. Yeah. And we had high hopes as, as a team and me individually that year. And, and really, I, I only played in a handful of events my senior year. So after you graduate then, I was going to get to next as far mm -hmm. as 08 or 09, when you move out to Scottsdale, Arizona, yeah. to kind of focus on a pro career, do you kind of scrap what happened in your senior year and try to get back to what made you good? And, uh, Tried to. Okay. Um, it's just tough. I, I, I remember um, towards the end of my senior year, I just had such a bad taste in my mouth of, you know, how I finished my career at UNLV, I didn't perform well. I felt like I left my team down. I was really actually anxious to get out of there and, and start my own kind of professional career. So pretty much right, right when school was over and I graduated, I turned pro. Uh, I had great support staff or support system here in, in Lancaster from a, from a financial element. I mean, I had a lot of backers and supporters here. Um, and I, 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 I really just wanted to start my professional career. I, I had this mindset that, okay, once I'm out on my own, things are, I'm going to get back to my, my normal self of playing at a high level. And, uh, again, golf just doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. And um, eventually move back home. Um, I guess live with your parents a little bit in Millersville. Yeah, I imagine yeah. that had to be kind of a humbling experience for you. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, everyone looks at the PGA tour, which, and rightfully so it's this glamorous, shiny, bright, starstruck uh, tour. And it is for maybe the top 50 guys in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but below that, there's guys grinding every year for their tour card status, trying to make paychecks. And then even below that, you have what I would consider like, you know, the minor leagues, you know, you have all these mini tours, and there's nothing glamorous about it at all. You know, you're, you're traveling around in these small southern bodunk towns you know staying in cheap hotels and really just trying to make some money so when I was here and at home I, yeah I mean I was at, I was living with my parents and trying to save as much money it's almost as like possible. a minor league baseball player you it, kind it, of just describing on the road all that and yeah. golf is a sport too where it's not where you can sign a five-year contract and be set for life it's like you got to perform from tournament to tournament otherwise you know you're done I yeah, guess yeah there's only a handful of guys when they graduate college that actually sign for some equipment deals or endorsements to at least set them up financially for a little bit to kind of get them going mm -hmm. but it's nothing like you know, 10 or 20 or $30 million. But right. Um, and man, I, I don't say all that to say like, oh, you're failed because you're a <laughs> hundred times a lot better than the majority of golfers out there. And even getting to go on a scholarship to a division one school, that's something that many people can say. And now here you are a businessman, father of two. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot from it, but I guess I, I bring all that to ask just as far as uh, that experience, going through what you did at your senior year and, and then going through that pro and coming back home, like that had to make you a better person per se. Cause I feel, I'm sure you worked hard to, to get everything you did at that point in your life. Um, but failure makes you stronger in a sense. And I'm wondering, I guess, like having gone through that, did it make you stronger or able to deal with adversity more in your life? To yeah. That I think honestly, from a, from an overall life perspective, how things worked out, 
really I'm a better person now today than I would have been literally if I would have just cruised through my senior year, got on tour mm -hmm. and was making all this money. Um, you know, a lot of those guys that do that, they, they don't have that everyday life experience like the average Joe has, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I do that now. Um, you know, I'm fortunate in my job now and, and good family and all that, but still it's, it's work, you know, and when I got home a couple of times from playing those mini tour events, I, I'd work at the, at cross gates for, for a little bit mm. just to kind of make some money. And, and that was humbling as well, you know? Um, but yeah, I just think as, as, as a whole, how things worked out, um, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I essentially gave it, gave it my best, um, tried, you know, uh, it just didn't work out, but I think like anything in life, I really do think everything kind of happens for a reason. Yeah. And, and knowing that, the grind of the PGA tour and the travel and being away from friends and family. Again, looking back on it now, I, I, I don't know that if it was truly meant, meant for me, you know, I, I think really? it's, wow. yeah. I mean, just uh, again, knowing what I know now and, and, you know, the career I have and, and kind of just settled here back home, I, I'm, I'm totally at, 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 I would say at peace with how things kind of came full circle and recognize where, little things and all that. At, no doubt. Yeah. The, I don't know, forget. And again, this is kind of an ignorant part of me, but being a golf pro, like at a local uh, mm -hmm. course or anything, I don't know how financially feasible that it, like, can you make a living doing that? And did you consider doing that for a while or um, not really? Well, as I mentioned, I did work a little bit at Crossgate yeah. back in, gosh, this was probably Oh nine, Oh 10 or 11, something like that. Um, no, and <laughs> I I realized pretty quickly that's not essentially what I wanted to do. Um, even though you're you're involved with golf and you're kind of working at a course, uh, it just wasn't something that I saw myself doing long term. Um, obviously, a lot of guys do it. They they do make a, a career out of it, and, and absolutely financially, you you know it's a it's a fine career. Uh, most of the guys that are club pros um, make more money teaching, like teaching lessons. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I did enjoy. I did that at Crossgates a little bit, but um, I just personally didn't want to see myself uh, just working in, in a golf shop. You know, I, I'd rather be out, um, you know, kind of doing something else or and, and play golf leisurely. You know, it's it's a shame these guys that are working in a golf shop they actually don't have much time to, to play. Wow, really? So, okay. Yeah. And uh, here you are still playing all these many years later. Um, and I guess the. U.S. Open qualifiers. Could you just kind of walk me through? Because I guess your amateur status now, right? Um, for yeah. those who are unfamiliar, how does that work? Because each year, I'm sure you're trying to qualify for that. How does that work? And at least coming up th this year, what do you have to do to get there? I guess. Yeah, I mean, so well, back in 2008, after college, I turned mm -hmm. pro. Which really, there's nothing uh, formal about it, other than saying I'm going <laughs> to enter this tournament and try to make money. Um, and and I tried to play professionally for about five and a half years. So the USGA, which is the United States Golf Association, has a rule about basically amateur status and, and being a pro. Uh, if you've tried to play professionally or made money for five years or more, you have to essentially wait two years to get your status back. So I went through that approval process a couple years ago, and now this is my second full summer just having my amateur status back. So what that really means for – the general public is I just I essentially play golf again for fun. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to play it as a career. Uh, I'm, I'm playing it because I enjoy playing tournaments and competing, uh, which I will. I'll play some local events and some state and regional stuff. Uh, the Golf Association of Philadelphia or the GAP, uh, they, they run a lot of really good tournaments, which I'll play. So I, at this point in time, I'm just uh, I'll play enough to keep me busy because I enjoy it. But 
um, you know, it's certainly not my, my main focus anymore like it used to be. Um, kind of some other questions that don't really fit a timeline as we kind of get near an end here. Um, yeah. If there's kids out there who are considering golf or kind of on the fence about, like, what, what keeps you coming back? What do you think golf is good for is just as far as student athletes and or, or maybe from your experience yeah i think golf again i w- i don't regret anything about my whole career coming up and it didn't work out the way i would have dreamed or had hoped but nonetheless i wouldn't change a thing and golf is is a great game that you can play forever i mean you go to any course or country club there's literally 80 or 90 year old people <laughs> playing golf so um and as you get into the kind of the business world or, or whatever um it's amazing how many people love and enjoy to play golf, even professional sports, you know, football players or basketball players, they're tied to golf. I mean, that's kind of like they love that as their passion. So, um, and I think you can just learn a lot at a young age. I I know me growing up, I was a member of Conestoga from when I was Conestoga country club when I was probably 10 to 16. (laughs) So as a 10 or 11 year old, you're around a lot of adults, you know, and and I think it, it, it sort of, matures you at a younger age than than a lot of other kids so that really helped me I think at a younger age I was always comfortable around adults and speaking with them and just golf in general the game uh, teaches you a lot about life too you know honesty integrity and and being polite and all all those things that are you can apply to your your day-to-day life so for any young kids out there um, golf is just a great game to get involved in at a young age whether you want to try to play it professionally or get a college scholarship or just break a hundred uh it's a great game to learn and and again you can play it forever and anybody who's listened to this can kind of get a sense of your natural talker i know you mentioned the communications degree (laughs) how are you putting that to use today yeah i i work for a a great local company called benicon uh we're in the employee benefits uh health insurance um business um we have a great great owner a great president um that that run the company uh i'm in i'm in sales there um uh, we're, we're located just, just in Lidditz. So, and again, in that industry, I mean, it is, I would say certainly it's more uh, white collar than blue collar. Mm-hmm. So golf is a, is a, I think it's an advantage for me that, you know, whether there's functions or, or business outings or something right. like that, uh, it's always nice when we can, you know, incorporate work with golf and then just knowing my background and being very comfortable in any setting on the golf course, it's, it's helped me in my, in my work career as well. And obviously you still love golf just as much as you did back then. Who is, I don't know, some of your favorite pro golfers today, like when there's a big major that you're rooting for? Yeah, or are you just I, a fan of the sport in general? I no, I'm, yeah, I'm a fan of the sport <clears throat> in general. Um, you know, I, again, I still just, uh, Tiger Woods just, you know, at my age when he was dominating, he, I, I still, uh, I'd like to see him kind of not maybe go out on top, but maybe win a few more times and um, just kind of see him go out the right way. You always want to see these guys that are entering their career, whatever sport it may be, just kind of go out on top uh, or, or go out the right way. So I always do pull for Tiger, but uh, it's cool seeing some of these younger guys as well that, uh, I mean, the game in, in general is just very strong. I mean, Tiger changed that completely as far as uh, he brought athletes to the sport, you know, and, and now you look at the tour – everyone's in good shape everyone's working out athletic mm-hmm. uh, back in the 70s it wasn't like that at all so do you have any thoughts on just the growth of the sport then just as far as uh, you it, came at a time when it was probably exploding and now here we are yeah you it's, know. it's actually to be honest I uh, and just knowing the game I think purely from an economic standpoint I actually think it's more of a dying game versus growing now mm. 
on the professional stage, it's very strong. You know, there's good young players, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, you know, mm-hmm. the list goes on. But purely, you look around on the local scene, state level, there's a lot of, um, whether it's smaller country clubs or public golf courses, that uh, they struggle financially. So I, I don't really have the exact answer to it other than golf is a it, – it is more of an expensive hobby than just, you mm. know, going to the, the gym to shoot hoops or play tennis or whatever. Um, and, and I think part of it, too, is, is time. You know, our, our world is changing. Everyone mm. wants to do everything so fast, you know, instant gratification. And golf, at, at best, you're, you're looking at four or five hours to spend a Saturday or Sunday to go play golf. So um, it's interesting, but I, I actually do think the economics of golf is um, – kind of kind of declining a little bit and I don't have the answer to what what will help that or not you're always going to have those really strong country clubs that you know like Lancaster Country Club around here is um, you know they're they're strong but again there there's a lot of other public courses or that I just don't think that they have the revenue that they had in the early 2000s and um, you know I don't know it, it's it's interesting um, we could probably talk for another hour about that. I could pick your brain. Um, yeah. Any upcoming tournaments that we can see your name in that you have on the calendar? I guess. Yeah, I'm. I uh, ever since actually my senior year of high school, I've always tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. Um, I have that local. There's basically a two-step process to make it. There's a local qualifier and then a sectional qualifier. Uh, the local is. Um, I think it's like May 16th or something. Uh, I'd have to check that. I think it's coming out that week too. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and as far as uh, the Lancaster Amateur and the Lanco Championships, to, uh, for, forgive me for, again, yeah. I'm ignorant on that. I know Lanco Championships coming up. The, the Lanco Amateur is always about the third week of uh, June. Okay. So we got a little bit of time for that. And uh, you'll be competing in those, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I'll play a few of our Lanco <laughs> events, and then, as I mentioned, uh, some of the Golf Association of Philadelphia events. And the well. Lancaster Amateur, uh, have you won in in 03, 06, and 07? Is there any other years I'm missing there? Nope. That's, All right. That and is, now that you're an amateur again, I guess you can win that again. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've, only, I've played it now twice since I've been back uh, as an amateur. Obviously, from when I won it in 2007, I, I couldn't play it until – jeez – probably 2016 so um now but I'm, I'm back and and uh hopefully have a chance to you know to, to win a few more it'd be great, great. hey uh, last thing i want to ask you is kind of the point of the podcast where i kind of like to leave listeners with a bit of advice that i don't know maybe somebody's facing a, a trial in their life and trying to get through it or maybe they're just looking for something that they can apply and be a better person or is there anything that you've learned in your life personally or, or your professional golf career or anything like that that you can uh, leave us with not to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and obviously I'm a, well, I'm a big fan of your your work that you do oh, here, thanks, obviously man. the podcast. I, I feel honored to even, you know, be a part of it. Gosh, I, I've listened to the last couple episodes of student athletes overcoming cancer like yourself. I don't even know what I'm doing here compared to, you know, those mm. people who, who overcome those real life, uh, you know, hard times, so to speak. Mm. But, you know, just in my career, I think it just, you know, get up every day and, and, and do your best, you know, set individual goals, set, uh, set some strategies for yourself to improve it, whether it's business, school, um, personal life. Um, you know, if you do that, if you can get up every day and, and be very efficient with your time, I think, uh, I think you'll be successful. <laughs> Which you have to be right now. Uh, what is it a nine to five job you're essentially working? Yeah, I mean, but it's uh, yeah, I mean, we, it's forty hours on the clock, but uh, in sales, you're 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 kind of always on 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 call or on demand. So we're um, 
Uh, That's true, because I guess people are working daily jobs, so you got to meet them when they're available. So you're probably all over. Yeah, the place. exactly. I mean, it's always uh, you know, but it's great. You know, it's I I really enjoy what I'm doing, but uh, um, yeah, there can be some long nights and and following up on emails and whatever. But uh, and uh, the two children, two years old and three months. So Jared's just uh, all over the place. And by the <laughs> way, Jackie Ox Gregory, uh, I guess formerly Ox Gregory, now yeah. Texter. Um, she is also a Penn Manor alum, played soccer, Virginia Wesleyan, was a three-sport athlete at Penn Manor. So a uh, house full of athletes there for sure, and I'm sure you're going to be kind of developing some moving forward. <laughs> All right, um, if you guys enjoyed listening to today's podcast, you'll probably enjoy listening to the previous seven to eight episodes, so feel free to go back and check those out in the archives. Just last week, we chatted with Hemfield alum Zach Miller. He's now one of the top ultramarathon runners in the world, lives on the side of a mountain in Colorado and runs 20 miles daily. Um, probably one of the best podcasts we've had on here. Guys, just could talk uh, your ear off. Uh, with that being said, I'm always looking for any suggestions for future guests on the show. So if you listen to this and think, hey, I know this person, they'd be great. Throw me an email, jwalk at lnpnews.com or contact me on the Twitter at jwalklnp. Uh, Jared, anything to promote? Can we follow you anywhere or give a plug to anything that you have going on? Or <laughs> No, no. I think I it's at Jared underscore texture on Twitter. I, don't I think know. so. I have yeah. all of uh, about 150 followers, which honestly, I'm not uh, yeah. I'm not that in tune with social media. I, I quite frankly follow it, or I have Twitter to follow sports and yeah. updates. Yeah, and so. uh, check them out in the golf links uh, coming up here this summer and Lancaster Amateur, probably Lancaster Lanco Championship and everything else. Um, all right, before we're up, up here, I just want to give a shout out to my colleagues, Tyler Huber and Irene Snyder. They are the engineers slash producers of this thing. Thanks to another colleague, Claudia Espenshade. She gets this thing online. So thanks to them. Thanks to you guys for listening. Jared, thanks for sharing your story, man. You got it. Thanks, John.